Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're currently exploring the beautiful Philippines and we're continuing to do our workshops here. I actually had a speaking engagement today, tomorrow, and we'll be doing a Digital Nomad Mastery workshop this Saturday and how to uh, start your own business seminar this Sunday. So make sure you check out all that at our website, digitalnomadmastery.com, and of course on our travels at daddyblogger.com. And one of the things we love to do is interview fellow digital nomads, fellow entrepreneurs, fellow world travelers, fellow coaches, fellow authors. I have an amazing one on the show here today. Our guest today, his name, her name is Amy Scott. She's joining us from Mexico City, Mexico. She is the founder of the world-famous website called Nomadtopia.com. She is a pioneer, a trailblazer in this digital nomad space. Uh, she is uh, um, focused on doing nonfiction book editing. She does uh, coaching on how to become a digital nomad. And she has an amazing collective, uh, a membership site where people can get support and education all about the digital nomad journey. So Amy, how are you doing today in beautiful Mexico City, Mexico? Hi there. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Great to hear, and thanks for being on, Amy. Uh, it's great to connect uh, with you. I'm definitely very honored and privileged because you're definitely, like I said, a trailblazer of this industry. So tell us about it. Tell us about when you started your own journey in terms of travel, working online. Trace it back to the roots. Where are you from originally, and when did you start this big travel adventure on? Yeah, so I'm originally from the States. I uh, actually moved around a lot growing up, so I guess in some ways I've been a nomad forever. <laughs> um, when this whole thing started for me, I was living in San Francisco and really just came up with kind of a crazy idea to quit my job and travel the world. And so I was not starting out um, you know, specifically to work and travel at the same time. That came later. And I feel like I was lucky in the sense that with my publishing background, I already knew people who were working remotely. I hired freelancers um, who lived all over the US. In fact, we also had a copy editor living in Costa Rica who is from the US. So I already knew that was possible. And this was back in two, like the early 2000s. And I ended up quitting my job in 2004. And didn't really have a plan. I knew that long-term travel could really shake things up and I might want completely different things when I came back, right? So I didn't really have a plan beyond the trip at that point. And so I set off to see where that would take me and I was gone about nine months. And as happens to many people, I did not want to go back to an office after that. <laughs> and like I said, because I already knew people who were uh, doing freelance editing, I thought that seems like as good a place as any to start. I always you know, recommend that people, if they have existing skills, that they can easily translate into a freelance or an online environment. It's a really easy way to get started. That's what I did. So in terms of the, this digital nomad journey, there's obviously the digital part and the nomad part. We'd love to talk about travel. So why didn't we cover like the, the scope of the world? Like when you travel, are you doing like long-term stays, short-term stays, a little bit of both, fast and slow? Tell us a little bit about the travel over the last decade or so. Yeah, it's been a real mix for me. And actually, this is part of the reason I focus on location independence uh, and a lot of the time in nomadtopia instead of talking about the focus on um, on being a nomad or about full-time travel because there's lots of different ways to do it right 
Um, and just simply being location independent means you have tons of options. Um, and I've done it a real mix um, myself. So I've spent a lot of time living in one place. I moved to Buenos Aires after I set up my business, uh, thinking I would be there maybe six months or a year, and I ended up staying for five years uh, just because I liked it there and I could. Uh, and then I also met my husband there. We started traveling together in 2012, and that also has been kind of a mix. We've um, for a while, we're using Buenos Aires as our home base, and we would leave for like six months and come back. Uh, we spent about nine months traveling in Southeast Asia. Um, generally, I'd say we prefer to spend at least a month in one place. Um, like we spent two months in Chiang Mai, we spent two months in Bali, uh, two months, I think, in Langkawi in Malaysia. And, um, but then we also were in India, which was partly a combination vacation with my parents. And we ended up, uh, you know, that was a little fast and furious because they were in vacation mode and they wanted to see everything. So we were trying to like, we got there like a week or two early and crammed in a bunch of work. And then we were, you know, kind of running around the country with them and, uh, and then getting back to work. So yeah, it's been a real mix. So now yeah, you're based over there in Mexico City, Mexico, and uh, tell us about the work side of things in the last, uh, you know, when, when you've been traveling. Uh, you know, most nomads with fine-tuning it, with multiple streams of income. How does that look, or how has that looked, and how does that look for you now? Yeah, so I started out with the freelance editing uh, in 2005, and I'm still doing that. So that has been, you know, thankfully, a long-term steady stream for me. Um, and I started Nomadtopia in 2011, and I've experimented with a lot of different products and income streams and offerings through that. I've done, I led a retreat, I've done some online courses, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, and then just about a year ago, I started The Collective. And um, yeah, that's the main, I've stopped selling all my other courses, and I'm pouring all of that existing content into The Collective now. Which, um, so there's a lot of resources in there, but um, to me, it's really community focused and community first. And then there's also um, some of that content in there. Um, so yeah, those are my main income streams. I also have an apartment in Buenos Aires that I rent out on Airbnb. And um, I have an ebook and affiliate income. And yeah, I think that's it. Well, we were in Buenos Aires um, last year, and we did Airbnbs, but I don't think it was the same Airbnb because I actually met the owner of the Airbnbs. We used to it was in Recoleta, oh, okay. <laughs> Pomero, uh, one in Recoleta, one in Pomero, one week in each place. We, we love the Buenos Aires. Yeah. So in terms of um, your uh, journey and your tra trajectory, um, you know, with most nomads, we go through these ups and downs, and we don't see it on social media. You just see the positive. So one of the things we learned not to do on our show is to highlight the struggles, the difficulties, the mountains, and the peaks. So we'd love to hear about those, the good sides and also the, the bad, and the things you don't usually share on social media. Tell us about both. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Well, probably one of the worst things that happened was um, in a span of about two or three months, I got really sick three times. <laughs> First in Mexico City with kind of your usual, you know, travelers issues, um, ended up on an IV in our hotel room. 
And then we flew to Nicaragua. I got a kidney infection in Nicaragua and I was in the hospital for five days. Um, and that was just about a month after the previous issue. And then I finally recovered from that and we went on to Costa Rica and then I got dengue. <laughs> so all of this was in like a two or three month span. And that was pretty rough. Obviously being in the hospital in another country um, is challenging in all kinds of ways. Uh, thankfully, I speak pretty good Spanish and my husband is from Argentina, obviously native Spanish speaker, so that went a long way. Luckily, we were in a country where we could communicate. Um, and yeah, and then dengue was no fun either. So that was a tough couple months for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was in 2015 and thankfully we've been, I have been pretty healthy since then. So yeah, obviously you know, the health issues. Uh, tell us about the Wi-Fi because most nomads get so frustrated, including myself. Here in the Philippines, the Wi-Fi is, I don't wanna say it, but I'm gonna, atrocious. And I struggle constantly. So what have you done in terms of like figuring out how to have good internet, good Wi-Fi signal, making sure of backups, especially for things you're doing like uh, coaching, consulting, um, you know, the book editing. How do you ensure a good Wi-Fi? Yeah. Yeah. And with podcasting too, right? That's a challenge. I also have a podcast. Um, yeah. Well, actually that has been, I think that's one of the best things about work like book editing is that you really don't need very good internet and you don't need it all the time. You know, 90% of my work could be done offline with that. You know, I'm just working in word. I just need my computer. I don't need, you know, Occasionally I'm looking things up online, but that's really not a lot of the time. And then I just need a good enough connection to actually email the files back and forth. Um, so that I always think is a good idea if you're in places with crappy internet to find types of work that don't need a lot of good internet access. Um, but then obviously for coaching and podcasting and these other things, it's more important. I always make sure I have a backup. I usually use data on a local SIM and that has served me well most places I've been. I, one thing I'm aware of is that I used to do almost all of my calls on Skype um, audio only, which is really good for sketchy connections and also does not require a lot of data. So I could like switch over to my phone and last time I checked an hour audio Skype call is only like 25 megabytes. So it's not like you're gonna blow through a ton of data. And I'm actually a little concerned now that I'm, I'm relying on Zoom a lot more now. We use Zoom for our calls in the collective. I've done some of my podcast interviews on Zoom and Zoom takes a lot more bandwidth. And luckily I've never had to switch over in the middle you know, of a call or whatever. Um, but I'm aware of the fact that it requires a lot more data. And so I'm not sure, I'm not sure how that works. Luckily, knock on wood, our place in Mexico City has pretty good internet, so. Yeah, I know, but uh, I've switched over from like uh, Skype to Google Hangouts to Zoom, and so far I've been happiest with Zoom in terms of the video quality, the reliability, it usually doesn't drop calls, so, so far so good in terms of the, uh, the capabilities and functionalities of Zoom, and I recently actually upgraded to the Zoom paid version, and uh, I now I'm able to stream my, my interviews and my webinars onto YouTube, Facebook, and I have like, you know, uh, like, 20 people on the video at once. It's pretty amazing. Cool. 
Yeah, so Amy, uh, one of the things I uh, wanted to know is like this whole work-life balance area because uh, obviously when you're traveling and you're, you mentioned all these places, Southeast Asia, South America, Latin America, and you're tempted to see, at least I am, <laughs> to see all the attractions. And you know, oh, that project can wait. I can get coaching clients later, you know, like, I don't know if you face that too, but how do you discipline yourself? How do you stay productive and how do you find that optimal work-life balance? Yeah, there are a couple of things. I think since the early days, I, especially with something that's very hands-on like editing, I've been very aware that if I don't do the work, there's no money. And so that for me has always been pretty good motivation. Um, and with a lot of the other things I do, I just enjoy what I'm doing. And I love to spend time like in the collective, for example, you know, helping people and connecting people. Uh, so that really doesn't feel like work. Um, I almost, it's almost um, more of a challenge for me to get off the computer than it is to get on the computer, I think. <laughs> um, although that's probably more true when I'm staying in one place, right? Like I've spent most of this year in Mexico City. Um, so I feel a little less antsy to get out and explore because I'm starting you know, to know this place better. Um, when I'm someplace new, I definitely wanna get out and do things. And I do mix it up. I, I really, I block out time on my calendar for different things that I'm working on. So I have specific blocks of time that are for editing work or for creating content um, or for podcast interviews, whatever. And then I know once, you know, those blocks are completed, then I've also got time to go do other things. Yeah, I can definitely relate with your sentiments when, I'm, uh, when we're traveling to an area with a shorter time. Of course, you have a short time, so you want to maximize the sightseeing, the tourism, and then of course, still find the ways to get work done. Sometimes it's late at night, sometimes it's after you've done the sightseeing. And you mentioned obviously those blocks of time. And if you're in a stable place for longer, then of course you're gonna be much more productive. Um, so um, would love to cover more about like, how are you getting clients? Like, because you're doing things like uh, editing, uh, getting people into your collective, and also getting coaching clients. What are your strategies, techniques to constantly have the flow of clients? Because I can imagine like book editing, it might be long for a few books, but then once the book's done, you got to look for new clients. So tell us about how you keep the stream of clients coming in. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I don't always. <laughs> you know, that's one of the challenges too, is that the income can certainly be up and down. And that's something I hadn't recognized early. Well, Actually, when I first started editing, I was working mainly um, for publishers. And so there was a pretty steady stream of projects coming my way. And as I shifted to working directly with authors primarily, it didn't occur to me that, like you said, someone finishes a book, they're probably not going to write another one for a while. And so now I've got to start all over again, finding new clients. Um, really the best thing for me in that sense has been word of mouth. You know, one person writes a book and they're happy with my work, my uh, work, and then they tell somebody else and then the work just shows up. Um, I also find it's a challenge because I'm doing multiple things that especially the more I talk about Nomadtopia, people start to think that I'm not editing anymore, uh, which is also a challenge in terms of bringing in new clients. But luckily the people I do work with obviously know that I'm still doing it and I, I am always reinforcing 
Um, you know, I, when I ask for a testimonial, I'll say, if you would recommend me to other people, please do, because word of mouth is my primary, you know, way I get clients. Um, and most of the time that works. <laughs> and then um, on the Nomadtopia side, it's interesting because I've been doing my podcast since 2014 and I've definitely had times of thinking like, you know, what's the point? Like this isn't, you know, making me money. Like where am I going with this? And now, especially that, well, because I had done some online programs in the past, but they were really um, short term, right? Like I would announce something on the podcast and then the course would happen a few weeks later and then it was done and I didn't have anything else I was offering for a while. And now that I have the collective as an ongoing offering that people can sign up for any time, I am hearing from the majority of new members that they are coming in because of the podcast. And so it's like, oh, finally, okay, it feels like, you know, all that work I did with the podcast is, is paying off and, and has some impact that I didn't see um, so directly over the years. And so it's interesting that now it is a very clear cut, you know, that seems to be where most of my collective members are coming from. Well, definitely encouraging because I feel the same way with the podcast. You know, you do a lot of work in it and you have a lot of fun. And of course, you learn a lot and you make these amazing connections like we are here. But then you don't always see the ROI. Okay, X number yeah. of time, X number of dollars. It doesn't always value for value, right? So it's good to see <laughs> this hope and there's uh, streams of income coming in. So thanks for that encouragement there, right. Amy. Uh, so I'm curious to know about the nonfiction book editing because we do have a lot of authors on our show and a lot of authors, they want to get editing done. So tell us about how it works when an author, um, you know, signs a contract, works with you. Um, how does it look like? What are the stages? How long is the process? Walk us through that editing journey. Yeah, so it varies a bit depending on where in the process somebody is when they come to me. Uh, what I... My ideal scenario, which I've been doing with more and more clients, is that they show up with a like mostly finished manuscript, but they're not feeling sure about it, right? They feel like they really could use some outside feedback, some guidance on, you know, are they on the right track? And, you know, should they expand this section? Should they cut that chapter they're not sure about? You know, all of that stuff. So I come in and read the manuscript and provide that kind of feedback. And then they head off on their own to do some more work based on my feedback. And then they come back with what they're feeling like as a more solid final manuscript. And then we go into the copy editing phase, you know, to really clean up um, typos and punctuation and all of the phrasing and language. Awesome, awesome. Sounds great. So we've covered the editing side of things. Tell us about this collective. Uh, so how did you come up with the idea of creating a collective? And uh, what kind of people is it good for? What are the major benefits of joining the collective? Oh, gosh, I think that the this has been brewing for a very long time. I started a free Facebook group in 2012, because I noticed that I knew a lot of people who were interested in location independence, but they didn't seem to know each other. And so I've created this group to bring them together. And then actually did 
a first iteration of this community several years ago that did not really work. <laughs> uh, and learned a lot from that experience. And I, you know, when something doesn't go the way you want it to, it can be really discouraging, really disappointing and frustrating. And it's, it can be a, a decision point of like, oh, forget it, it didn't work. Or is there still something there? You know, is this worth tweaking and trying again? And I just could not get this community idea out of my head. I thought it was really important and I thought I was really onto something and I wasn't willing to let it go. And so I took what I learned from the first experience and decided to try again. So, you know, what I hear from a lot of people, both in my coaching and then, you know, interviews on the podcast or just friends of mine is that this can be a really lonely lifestyle for some people. Also, not only in terms of like meeting people on the road, maybe traveling by yourself, not having that steady community, but also in terms of people in your quote unquote normal life who do not understand what you're doing, right? That can make you feel lonely also. So I think that's really significant and I wanted to create a space where people would feel understood and welcome and connected and um, also to be able to create uh, a real a hub of resources and information for people who are really at any stage of the journey. So we've got people who still have day jobs and are sorting out how to get themselves out of that. Uh, and then we've got people who've been nomads, you know, for 10 years and everything in between. And then people who are expats, uh, people who are on the road full time, you know, really representing all of those variations. Yeah, I love the diversity because, uh, you know, like the people who are brand new, they can learn from uh, the experience and the experience people can give back and uh, help the people who are just starting out. So I love that whole yeah. community feel. And you're so right that it can definitely get quite lonely, especially if you're not in a hub like um, Chiang Mai or Bali or Medellin. Uh, Manila, there's, there's a group called Digital Nomads, but they never ever meet. I don't know how, how, is, how, is, the, uh, how is the actual Digital Nomad scene over there in Mexico and especially in Mexico City, where you are? Uh, yeah, it varies a bit depending on location, for sure. Um, there is a Mexico City Digital Nomads group, and um, there are sometimes meetups happening, or there's people posting, you know, just that they're looking for a place to stay or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I kind of dip in and out of that. I admit that I'm not necessarily uh, looking to connect with people all the time, but I've been to a couple other meetups. Good to hear, good to hear. So we've covered the editing, the collective. So tell us about the coaching. Uh, what kind of clients are you working with? What kind of stuff are you coaching them on? What do you see some of the problems are? Walk us a little bit through your coaching programs. Yeah, so primarily I'm working with people who have the income part sorted out, right? Like I don't consider myself a business coach. I don't feel like my strength is in like, what business should I start or how am I gonna make money? Um, so instead, I usually work with people who are either already have a thriving business that they were like, oh, wait a minute, this is location independent. I could go somewhere. Um, or they're in the process of planning the business along with the lifestyle. And we look a lot at the logistical pieces of it, uh, you know, and kind of what it takes to extricate yourself from your normal life and get on the road or move abroad or whatever you want to do. 
And then also looking at whether your work is set up in order to be able to successfully work from anywhere. I think a lot of people think, oh, I could do this in my home office, I could do this in Bali, it's all the same. But there are some things to take into consideration, right? In terms of everything from time zones and scheduling to crappy internet, as we talked about, um, you know, and like maybe you're used to getting a lot of your clients through local networking. How are you gonna do that if you're on the road? So making sure that you're basically that your business and travel goals can, you know, sync up and that you have a plan to be able to continue to keep your business going while you're on the road. Yeah, it definitely makes uh, sense there. So one of the things I love to ask my guests is about the vision. And us nomads, we struggle with that long-term vision. Uh, usually we don't even know what next week or next month holds. So tell us a little bit about how your mind or how your planning operates in terms of are you guys planned, like, you know, into 2019, 2020 and beyond? Or are you kind of like, we'll see when December hits. Walk us through the vision ahead. Yeah, I find that it's important to, to be kind of enjoy where you are in the moment. And um, what am I trying to say? That, you know, things change over time, right? And what I and my husband are looking for at, at you know, two years ago is different maybe than what we're looking for now and how we kind of want to structure things. We have never been particularly long range planners. I would say we often, sometimes when we're traveling more regularly, like when we were in Asia, we had a rough idea, like, okay, we probably want to spend about this long in Chiang Mai and this long in, in Malaysia or whatever. Um, but like we landed in Mexico City and we're like, well, we like it here. Things seem to be going well. We don't have a concrete plan of when we're leaving or how long we're going to stay. We're kind of just here indefinitely. Um, but I think we do have kind of a long range vision in the sense that we're, we're moving toward wanting to have a new base that is a place that we want to be for maybe say nine, nine months of the year and then spend a few months traveling either all together or like leave for a month now and then and come back. And I don't think Mexico city is necessarily is that base. Uh, but for now it's okay. <laughs> and so we're kind of, you know, thinking a bit like, okay, well, what's the next step, you know, and, and getting a little bit closer to that, um, to that vision. Yeah. And I don't know how it is like with you and your husband, but me and my wife, we're very different in terms of what we want and you know, what the priorities are and even our style of travel. So we're not butting heads, but we're always trying to figure out, okay, how do we make it work in terms of what my wife wants, what I want, we have the kids as well. So like, how do we find this alignment uh, where every person in the family is happy? So how have you done that with yourself? I mean, obviously, um, different genders, different personalities, different ethnic backgrounds, different styles of travel, et cetera. Uh, how have you guys uh, figured it out between you and your husband? Yeah. Luckily, we are pretty in sync. Um, you know, we're very different in some ways, but I think in general, our travel preferences and, you know, the way we like to travel and where we like to go is pretty similar. So, um, I think I have made a little compromise maybe in terms of weather <laughs> because he is not a fan of the cold. Actually, I guess we both made compromises because I also have determined that, uh, I cannot handle super hot either. I was miserable. We were in Chiang Mai at the hottest time of the year. 
uh, which is like March. And I was miserable. And we were in Nicaragua also when it was super hot. And I was like, okay, I think I'm done. Uh, but there, then also I haven't seen snow in many years. And that's because, you know, my husband doesn't want to go anywhere that it snows. So, you know, those kinds of things are certainly a compromise, but I think it's important to just continue to check in with each other. You know, like I said, um, you know, people's preferences and goals and priorities may change over time. And it's important to not assume that your ideas are changing in the same direction, right? Uh, so we've gone through a couple different phases and then, yeah, we take the time to check in with each other and say, okay, well, we've been traveling really fast um, or faster like through Asia, you know, how's that been? Like, do we like that? Do we want to do more of that? Do we want to stay in one place for a while and identify the things that we're looking for and then go places where we can get that. Mm, and you mentioned those keywords like you're checking in regularly, you're communicating, compromising, and uh, definitely all those help find that alignment. Uh, yeah. So uh, final question for you, Amy, is uh, tips and advice for people who are aspiring starting this crazy nomadic journey that you and I are on and so many others are on, should they actually take that leap? And if so, how? <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, if this is something that is, you're feeling really drawn to and really curious about and really interested in, then I would say absolutely give it a try. You know, if it's not for you, that's fine. Um, but I feel like, doing it is really the only way to know if you're going to like it. Uh, but also to recognize that there's so many different ways to do it that, you know, I think a lot of people like they jump in and they're just so excited to have the flexibility and the freedom that they go crazy with a really fast pace of travel. And that is one thing that I think it can make you think like, Oh no, like this is not for me. And then you realize, oh, well, if I slowed down a little bit, maybe this would be for me. So that's the other thing that I recommend is from the beginning to take some time to think about what you want this to look like. And, you know, based on what your interests are and what your goals are, what's the best way to approach it? And, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes about, you know, working at the beach and whatever, but maybe you hate the beach. So don't go to the beach, you know, like find what's going to work for you. And then as you start to uh, try it out, learn from those experiences and decide, okay, so that kind of scenario doesn't work for me. This is something that I want to change. And yeah, it's all, it's a constant evolution. I feel that way even you know, almost 15 years in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely it's constantly evolving, changing. Uh, so Amy, uh, we, you have your website there where people can get some coaching. They might want to take you up on the book editing. And of course, you got your collective as well if they want that community and support too. Uh, tell us about uh, all those ways that people can connect. Yeah, so my editing website is nomadeditorial.com and everything else is at nomadtopia.com. Nice and easy. And I'll have those yep. links below. If you're watching this interview on YouTube, it'll be right in the YouTube description. If you're listening on iTunes, it'll be right in the show notes. Uh, so Amy, it's great to connect here. Thank you for sharing your wealth of information, especially all of your experience over the last uh, 15 years of nomading. Thanks for having me.
And thanks for being on. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Definitely connect with Amy. She's definitely, as I've been saying, uh, a pioneer in this whole digital nomad space, even before the term became really a fad or a, you know, a trend. Uh, so definitely connect with Amy and uh, pick her brain, join her collective, get some coaching and get on the road. Thanks everyone. We'll catch up with you guys in the next episode. Happy travels.